right, guys. Jared Atkins sitting alongside Kurt Kelly. Technical difficulties. Kurt, how you doing? I'm doing good, Jared. How about you? Yeah, I fucking hate technology. <laughs> That's why I'm an analog man. So here we are sitting at Kurt's kitchen table, and uh, technology be damned. Yeah. We are having trouble with the fucking equipment. And I am not happy. Kirk can see it in my face. I'm about ready to throw my keyboard, all $800 worth of fucking equipment. And, uh. I'm trying to keep the mood light. Yeah. <laughs> fucking. <laughs> I've got three memory cards. We keep swapping. We're having trouble with the memory cards. And, uh, so we're just going to try this one and see how the quality goes. Cause we're only going to cover about four or five people on this particular right. episode. So if you guys haven't already, check out the first part of the three-part point yeah. guard episode. Um, and we are literally, we are literally going as old school and rogue as we can. Kurt said, "Do I need to go get my phone so we can remote while we're here?" And I'm like, "Not gonna do any good if the card's not working." So we're gonna try to record this on the Podbean app right here on my phone. Right. So Kurt's gonna have to use his big boy voice. Uh, there uh, you go. Yeah, there we go. There we go. I fucking hate technology. <laughs> So we are continuing on with part two of the point guard episode. See, it checks the EQ, so you get all quiet yeah, right, there. Yeah, right, right. And, and it stops, and now it picks it up again. Okay. So we're going to hope this works. So my voice is louder than Kurt's, so that's why I'm angling everything up and towards Kurt. And uh, this is because i got a smooth, buttery voice, right? A smooth, buttery voice. Yeah, a bit. Sherbet, Sherbet. <laughs> so, where'd we leave off? We did 15? Yeah, we're on 14, I think. So, number 14, Lenny Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins. Born October 28, 1937. Another New York guy. Lenny was born in Brooklyn. Played think, college ball at Providence. I think married. About the New York. No, I remember New York boys know how to ball. Yeah. He was drafted sixth overall by the St. Louis Hawks. Okay. St. Louis Hawks. The St. Louis Hawks. In the 1960 NBA draft, he began his career with eight seasons with St. Louis, who lost the finals to the Boston Celtics in his rookie season. The Hawks would make a, the playoffs consistently with Wilkins, but never again reach the finals. Wilkins placed second to Wilt Chamberlain in the 67-68 MVP race. Wilkins was traded to Seattle for Walt Hazard and spent four seasons there. Hey, it's dull. Yes. What's up? Hibernation. I'm not fucking happy. That's what's up. I'm getting ready to fucking throw every goddamn piece of equipment we have. I need new memory cards, I guess. These are shot. I keep swapping out between three and I'm fucking... So we're literally recording this right here on my phone. Via old school. Via old school. Like the built-in recorder that's on the app on my phone. So I don't know how good the quality is going to be. The good thing is I can always pause it. And ch so anyway, so it's working. We just checked it. It's I'm just, I'm not fucking happy about this whatsoever. This sounds like we're literally doing a shitty remote interview. Uh, but anyways, where the fuck was, I'm just, you can just tell my mood's done going to shit. So anyways, he played for the Supersonics then. He was an all-star in three of his season in three of his seasons for them. Uh, he was named head coach of the Supersonics. Why the fuck did I skip forward to that? I don't know. 
Uh, what the fuck? Need a woosaw, don't I? Woosaw. Need to just woosaw for a minute. Woosaw. I need a beer. If I smoked weed, I would need a joint, maybe a Percocet, a Vicodin, a Tannerite, blow some shit up. Anyways, I skipped away forehead. He ended his career spending two seasons with the Cleveland Cavaliers in 72 to 74. Did a stint with the Trailblazers in 74 and 75. Wilkins scored 17,772 points during the regular season. Nine-time NBA All-Star. Uh, from 69 to 72, in his one season as a player with Portland, he was a player coach. Wow. That's what that. it was. So he was retired from playing in 75 and was the full-time coach of the and became the full-time coach of the Trailblazers. Um, I don't want to skip through a whole lot. Man, I'm fucking pissed, Kurt. <laughs> Wilkins later worked at Fox Sports Net. Northwest Studio was a college basketball analyst and occasionally appeared on college hoops game nights. And during the 94-95 season, Wilkins set the record for most regular season coaching wins in NBA history, a record he held when he retired with 1,332 victories. As of February of 2022, there's my notes, February, he is in third place on this list behind Don Nelson and Greg Popovich. He won the Chuck Daly Lifetime Achievement Award for the 2010-2011 NBA season. Wilkins is the most prolific coach in NBA history at 2,487 regular season games. Uh, over 400 more than any other coach and has more losses than any other coach as well. As far as his player, which we don't give a fuck about coaching, he was a nine-time All-Star, a one-time All-Star game MVP. He's part of two... NBA anniversary teams, 50th and 75th, as well as a one-time assist leader. And just because I've always liked Lenny, and just because I want to, uh, he's a four-time Naismith Hall of Famer. One as a player, one as a coach, and one as an assistant for the 92 Dream Team, and as a college basketball Hall of Famer. As a coach, he was a one-time NBA champion, a one-time coach of the year, and a four-time All-Star Game coach. So, all the wind's just been sucked out of my sails. This was supposed to be well, the magnum opus, it's, it's, it and it's not. Yeah. And we can only do an hour and a half episode on this fucking thing right here, so might be fucking part four episode. Who knows? Well, yeah. Guess I'm going to go buy a memory card tonight. However you want to do it. So, yeah. 13. Dave Bing. Yeah, interesting. Dave Bing. Don't know much about him. Before my time. Dave Beam was born November 24th, 37, in Washington, D.C. He played college ball at Syracuse. Fun fact. Probably under Jim Beheim. No. He was roommates with Jim, Jim Beheim. Uh, shut up. He was roommates with Jim Beheim at Syracuse. He was drafted second overall in the 66th draft by the Detroit Pistons. Uh, his playing style was kind of different for the time. Uh, he was kind of a lean, athletic, explosive point guard. Functioned as the playmaker distributing the ball, but he also did more shooting and scoring than most others who had this position at this time. At one time, a joke about him and his backcourt partner, Jimmy Walker, was that it was a shame they could only play the game with one ball at a time. <laughs> okay. 
In 66, after being selected overall, uh, Bing scored 1,600 points. That's 20 point per game average and won the 1967 Rookie of the Year, also being named to the All-Rookie First Team. The next year, he led the NBA in scoring with 2,100 points. That's 27 a game in 68. And then on November of 69, he recorded a triple bubble of 39 points, 16 rebounds, and 10 assists in a 127-128 loss to the Baltimore Bullets. Baltimore Bullets. The Baltimore Bullets. Okay. Uh, he set out two and a half months in the 71-72 season due to a detached retina. That sounds like it might hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I can put I can put effects in here too, but I'm not fucking. I'm not. Wait, we're, that's uh. What, uh you see anything that says laughter? Uh, see it laugh, no, laugh. No, no. Where's laugh? Kirk Kelly, he is the greatest co-host in the world, everybody. Give a round of applause for uh, Kirk Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Hey. I'm so pissed. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Three fucking memory cards. I keep one in the recorder that I bought, a good one, that's 128 gigs. And then the two, they come with 232, that's 64. None of them are fuck. It's a wonder we got through the last episode. The first episode. Venting. I'm pissed, I'm pissed, I'm pissed, I'm pissed. Yeah, it's about volcano stage. It'll pick up real clear. Folks, uh, sorry the quality. The content always sucks, too. But the quality really sucks because we're it's literally my my phone is just right here on the table. Say hi, Kurt. Hello, everybody. We'll be all right. <sighs> I'm not being very professional. Well, it's hanging there. Comedic relief. That's what we do here. Yeah. Comedic I'm relief. I'm trying to keep the mood light. Uh, I don't even know where the... Hey, with 123 minutes, we better get down to it now. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Where Dave the fuck Bing. are we? Dave, Dave Bing. Bing. Dave Bing. He played his final season with the Boston Celtics, averaging... Oh, excuse me. I jumped ahead. After leaving the Your Pistons... Excuse. Thank you. Thank you. You're After leaving the Pistons, Bing went on to spend the next two seasons with the Washington Bullets, where he would get an All-Star appearance in 76, winning the MVP award for the All-Star game. He played his final season with the Boston Celtics, averaging 13.6 points a game. He retired at the conclusion of the 77 and 78 season. Overall, in his NBA career... Bing averaged 20.3 points, 6 assists, and 3.8 rebounds in 901 games over 12 seasons, scoring 18,327 points with 5,397 assists. Bing has been very involved off the court. In his early days, in the 60s to be exact, with a $15,000 NBA contract at the time, $135,000 $135,000 in 2022 money. He could not get a loan to buy a house by the bank. So, Bing, to be an ass, or maybe be passive-aggressive, decided he should work more since his NBA money wasn't good. He took a job working at the same bank during the NBA offseason. Wow. Just to be an ass. Wow. Wow. Just to say it. Bing also 
got involved in other things as well, mainly steel. Immediately after retiring, he worked at a warehouse of the steel processing company Paragon Steel and was paid $35,000. He left after two years and... <clears throat> 1980, Bing opened Bing Steel, which is still around today, yeah. with four employees in a rented warehouse with $250,000 of loans and $80,000 of his own money. Losing all of his money in six months, the company shied away from manufacturing to focus on being a middleman. With General Motors as their first major client, the company turned a profit in its second year with revenues of $4.2 million. Basically, Bing Steel now has become uh, Bing Group. Um, was 63 employees, two plants, and posting revenues of roughly around $40 million every year. Um, so, yes, uh, he's the godfather of Jalen Rose, and he was elected mayor of Detroit, the city of Detroit, from 2008 to 2013. His jersey number 21 was retired by the Pistons, as well as his jersey number 22 retired by the Syracuse Orange. Bing was a seven-time NBA All-Star, a one-time All-Star Game MVP, a two-time All-First Team, one-time All-Second Team, Rookie of the Year, Rookie Team, NBA Scoring Champion in 68, <coughs> and a two-time Anniversary Team Member with 50 and 75th bids. I was kind of interested about the Dave Bink one because I, for some reason I don't, I don't remember hearing anything about He was it. on your name. He was on your list. You he put was. him on the list you gave me. No way. You did. He was on your list. Yeah, I must be getting senile or something. <laughs> he was slipping. On... I don't remember that. So you outed me earlier this past year, and I, you know, I came out of the closet. Oh yeah, Lakers fan. Lakers fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm a Pacers fan. Like I am. A... People were wondering where that was going, wasn't it? <laughs> Wait, should I hit it again? <laughs> should I hit it again? People were wondering where that was going. <laughs> Off, but we're having a lot of fun. What the fuck is this one? This one says horror. That's the technical difficulties. Okay, we got to get back. We won't hear that much, will we? All right. (laughs) Son of a bitch. So, I had to put some Laker love on this list. Okay. And coming in at number 12. This is is the one here. I was torn between two guys that were perfectly capable of being on this list. And I put them in at 12. Two Laker great point guards, two championship Laker point guards. And it came down to Norm Nixon and Gail Goodrich. He's such a homer. (laughs) (laughs) It's the fucking Lakers, bro. All right, all right. And I went with Norm Nixon. He was a starter. He was a starter. Born October 11th, 1955 in Macon, Georgia. He was drafted in the first round, 22nd overall by the Lakers in the 77 draft. He played for the Lakers for six seasons, 
and helped the Showtime Lakers win an NBA championship in 1980 and 1982, both against the 76ers. The Lakers lost the 1983 NBA Finals, in which Philadelphia swept them four games to none. In the 1978-79 and 81 playoffs, the Lakers were eliminated by the eventual Western Conference champions. Nixon led the team in scoring in the 82 playoffs. In Game 1 of the 83 Finals, Nixon had a violent collision with Andrew Toney early in the first quarter, to which the infamous quote by Coach Pat Riley said, do you need a blow? To which Nixon replied, no, I need a casket. So, <laughs> Oh, crap. Uh, he continued to play in games one and two despite a separated shoulder. That's old school tough. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. They won't do that these days. No. Uh, prior to the start of the 83-84 season, Nixon was traded to the San Diego Clippers in exchange for the draft rights to guard Byron Scott. Scott, okay. Okay. So... In his first year with the Clippers, um, well, hang on a second. Lakers general manager Jerry West made the deal to free Magic Johnson, the team's other point guard, from sharing the ball with Nixon. Go figure. In the first year with the Clippers, Nixon led the league in total assists and made the all-star team for the second time in the 84-85 season. Following the 85-86 season, he spent much of his career on the injured list, spending more time then two full seasons on the injured list before retiring for good at the end of the 88-89 season. During his time with the Clippers, the Clippers, the Clippers, the team never made the playoffs. For the 1978-1979 season, Nixon tied Eddie Jordan of the New Jersey Nets for the NBA lead in steals with 201. The next season, he led the league in minutes played, 3,200, which is a lot, minutes per game, 39, and was third in the league with assists with 642. Um, Nixon missed the 86-87 season after stepping into a hole during a softball game in Central Park and suffered severe damage to the tendon just above the knee. <coughs> he would then rupture his right Achilles tendon during a preseason practice on November 4th of 87 that caused him to miss the entire season. Damn. Uh, he would go on to play in the IBF, which is the Italian Basketball Federation, following his NBA retirement, and then eventually would venture into business and sports marketing, as well as becoming a, an agent for sports athletes and entertainers. In fact, he was an agent representing LL Cool J for a number of years. Uh, he's well as not into broadcasting and things of that nature as well. Um, he's a two-time NBA champion. He's a two-time NBA All-Star. And, of course, he was part of all-rookie first team in 78. Okay. Okay. What do you think? I know if you're thinking Lakers port guards, you're not thinking Nixon. You think Gail Goodrich. Because you had Gail Goodrich on your list. Yeah, I had him on the list. No more Nixon, I just... I don't know. I I want to read something to you. Go ahead and keep talking. Bill there. I got to dig something out of my satchel. I, he, I just don't think he's top 25. That's, really? I'm just going to go throw it out there. You're going to throw it out there? Yep. Kirk Kelly putting it all out there for God and everybody to see. Yep. Okay. Oh. Now, you're going to have to really, really sell me on this one. On the next one? On this one. On the next one. On Norm Nixon? Yep. I think he belongs on the list. I don't know who you put in that spot above him. You put Gail Goodrich. I just want to read something to you. Your list is in the bag, so is my list. This is just uh, the big list here. All right. But uh, I wanted to read something to you. 
So I did a lot of my own research as I always do. And then I bring shit from the internet. Uh, I went and checked out lineups.com, some of their articles. Did you anticipate me saying something like this? Maybe. Uh-huh. See, they have Norm Nixon rated 31 out of the top 50 and Gail Goodrich at 33. They're only separated by Rajon Rondo. And uh, this is what it says. Just it's, it's just a couple sentences about each. Goodrich was one of the better scoring point guards of the late, of the late 60s and early mid-70s. Goodrich was also an excellent free throw shooter with a career percentage of 80%. Goodrich is a one-time NBA champion and an all-NBA team member. What it says for Nixon is simply this. In his 10-year career, Nixon averaged at least six assists per game. He is one of the more underrated Lakers from the Showtime era, having averaged 15.7 points per game on a terrific 48.3% shooting from the field. He won two championships with the Lakers. So, I know we look at the criteria... And uh, I've got the criteria list over here. But just as simple as I knew there was going to be a Laker going into this spot, I just had to pick which Laker it was going to be. And what you just I'm going to pick Nixon over yeah, Goodrich. Yeah, I agree with that. I put a lot of work into this. And then we skipped some of the notes, and now our fucking equipment doesn't work. I hate technology. Yeah, me too. I hate technology. Look at this. Look at this. Eight hundred dollars worth of equipment sitting on the fucking table. Just, and we're doing it on my phone well, now. It's twenty twenty two. Now coming in at number eleven is a guy that I'm really gonna have to sell you on to be on this list. Uh, he was one of the best defensive point guards ever. He's a champion point guard. He's no longer with us. He passed away. This is a guy by the name of Dennis Johnson, DJ. and I know I'm really going to have to sell you on this one. You have me DJ. I had you. <laughs> yes. Honestly, I'll be surprised if somebody doesn't holler and say, why is he not higher on this list? No, he could be higher on this list, I think. But, I mean, he's coming in just in the back door. Personally, I think he's, in my book, you got him right about the right spot, for sure. So, Dennis Johnson was born September 18th, 1954 in San Pedro, California. Just just outside, it's one of the places outside of L.A. there. He played college ball at L.A. Harbor College from 73 to 75. And then would transfer to Pepperdine where he would play in 75 and 76. He would be drafted 29th overall in the second round by the Seattle Supersonics in the 1977 NBA draft. Seattle would give him a four-year contract where he earned a salary of 45000 in the first year. 90000 in the last year. I should have number crunched that today's dollars. I didn't. In his rookie year of the 76-77 season, Johnson played backup to the experienced Sonics backcourt tandem of Slick Watts and Fred Brown, averaging 9.2 points and 1.5 assists per game. The Sonics would finish with a 40-42 and record and miss the 1977 playoffs, which would lead to coach Bill Russell resigning. The following season, the team would lose 17 of the first 22 games under Russell replacement, Bob Hopkins. Okay. Okay. Who was replaced then by Hall of Fame coach Lenny Wilkins, who gave Johnson a starting role and paired him with Gus Williams. Johnson took off in this new role, improving his averages to 12.7 and 2.8. During this period, Johnson played shooting guard as well. It was known for his aggressive slam dunking but would spend more time in the point guard position. 
in contrast to the more cerebral roles he would play in his later career. It was at this time that Johnson's nickname DJ was coined by announcers and fellow players. Finishing strongly, the Sonics ended the regular season at 47-35 and and made the 78 playoffs. After eliminating the Lakers, boo, the defending champion Portland Blazers and the Denver Nuggets, they almost beat the Bullets by taking a 3-2 lead in the 78 NBA Finals. In a 93-92 Game 3 victory, Johnson would block seven shots, the most blocks in an NBA Finals game for a guard. The wow. Sonics were losing seven games, partly because Johnson's Game 7 scoring drought where he just couldn't seem to find the bucket. Uh, Johnson would later come out and say, I simply choked. Uh, and he vowed never to repeat uh, this again, which he basically didn't. Uh, Johnson and the Sonics got their revenge in the 78-79 season after clinching the Pacific Division, which is uh, a 52-30 record. The team met the Bullets again in the 79 Finals. And after losing Game 1, the Sonics won the next four games to take the final series, helped by Johnson, who was averaging almost 23 points to go with six boards and six assists per game. Um, it was during this season that Johnson established himself um, as one of the best guards in the league, he averaged 15.9 points and 3.5 assists per game and made his first all-defensive first team and all-star game appearance. Um, so there he's get, he gets a ring with Seattle, Seattle and Wilkins. Um, now, the abundance of talent on the Sonics team, Johnson later called... Oh, well, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I stepped ahead here. Uh, I forgot all about Gus Williams. The Sonics, however, would lose in the Western Conference Finals the following year to the Lakers, who had Magic Johnson and Kareem and Jamal Wilkes. Uh, Because of the abundance of talent on the Sonics team, Johnson later credited this loss as one of the biggest disappointments in his professional career. Coach Lenny Wilkins then grew tired of Johnson, who they often clashed with in practice, and perceived Johnson as an asshole and a growing liability to the team. <laughs> At the end of the season, Johnson would be traded to the Phoenix Suns for a handful of draft picks. And in theory, the Sonics would finish 22 games worse the following season, despite Johnson not being there. Johnson would just continue to just... Um, DJ would continue to make himself a quality player in Phoenix. He spent three years as a son, averaging 14 to 20 points a game and tough defense. He played in two All-Star games. Just, you know, continued to ball out. Um, and then, like in Seattle, though, DJ would clash with his coach, John McLeod, and finally was traded by the general manager to the Boston Celtics for Rick Roby and a yep. handful of draft Rick picks. Roby. Rick yep. Roby. Yep. Uh, and then in Boston, he really kind of came along here, too. Um, there was a couple more rings there. At least one or two. One of these two, right? Uh, yeah, and, and you got to think, think. Think about the team he was with there. Oh, my. There's Bird was there. Uh, Kevin McHale was there. Robert Parrish was there. Uh Danny Ainge, uh, Red Arbach was yeah management. management calling the shots there. Uh, Casey Jones, Casey Jones was coaching. Probably, let's see if I put that in there. 
So, and then, of course, we know about the 70s and 80s battles with the Lakers and everything. And DJ just continued to play smothering lights out defense. I don't really have to go through all of it, I don't think. Certain parts will pick out. In the 84-85 season, uh, the Celtics met the Lakers in the 85 finals again. Johnson's big moment came in game four when the score was tied at 105 apiece. Bird had the ball in the last few seconds, being double teamed by Lakers, Kareem, and Magic. Bird passed the ball to DJ, who sank a 19-foot buzzer beater to win the game. The Lakers, however, took the revenge this time, winning the series in six games. Uh, The following season, the Celtics made the playoffs, helped by the performance of DJ, once again, who's just balling out. Uh, The Celtics were unable to repeat their title in 87, uh, despite several dramatic playoff victories. There was one piece in particular that I know you're going to remember, and I put it in here. So here we go. We're in game five, the playoffs. Uh, What year? 87. 87. They're down 107-106. Larry Bird steals the inbound pass. Bird with the steal to yeah. DJ. Uh, yeah, so so there it is. Uh, Should have been uh, against the Pistons, the bad boy, or not? Yeah, the Pistons guard Isaiah Thomas. Five seconds left. Yeah, so then the mouse, the broadcast, famous call. Yeah, now there's a steal by Bird underneath the DJ who lays it in right at one second left. What a play by Bird. Bird stole the inboning pass, laid it up to DJ. DJ laid it up and in. Boston has a one-point lead with one second left. Oh, my, this place is going crazy. It was going crazy. What's your word? Pandemonium. 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 Yes. Pandemonium. Pandemonium. That crowd was just... Cool. So our whole equipment setup, anyways, is remote. Because I've got rechargeable batteries for this pod track. We right. can get four hours four hours out of a recording session right. with rechargeable batteries. Plus, as you can see in the bag, I always keep I've got a four right. pack of Duracell regular batteries. Right. But if, I always plug it into the wall so we can go as long as we need to go. But then our host Podbean has the app. That's pretty cool that you can do it right And it's got a built-in recorder in the app, too, to where you could record mobile episodes, where our whole fucking setup's mobile to begin with. So this ain't the best idea, but that with us a, having technical difficulties right idea. now, yeah. and we're only covering four or five in this episode we'll anyways. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. Uh, so anyways, the 87 NBA Finals. Uh, you know what I was just thinking about? Dennis Rodman would have been... Or not? Well, it wasn't the eighty seven, but in the in the late eighties, there, the playoffs. Robin would have been a part of those Pistons teams. Yes, he would have. Yes, yeah, been very a young, very young, young Dennis, Dennis Robin. Uh, well, we might have to do best rebounders. Oh God, I don't think I'm doing any more. I'm not doing any more ranking episodes for at least the next six months because 
the whole reason we've been getting mileage out of these podcasts doing these mini episodes lately was because I was working on this and I realized, man, I really bit off more than I could chew here. It's a but as I got halfway in, I wasn't going to quit on it. No. And no, I still have to finish it yet. Right. But it's, it's cool. I mean, it's a big task right there. And you don't have to do any work. No. I just make you watch film. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I love you. I got the, uh, yeah, I got the uh, glamour spot. Not the glamour. This little son of a bitch is still work. We still got an hour of tape we can roll yet. That's pretty cool, though. Come in handy, didn't it? Yeah, I, did. I guess we know all else fails. Yep. Yep. It's so funny. You're like, you want to go remote while we're sitting two feet away? I said, it don't matter if the cord, oh, yeah. if the SIM card's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> we're losing focus. I'm old. Yeah. Senile. Senile. So basically, uh, DJ does well in Boston. Uh, and then he would retire. When did he retire? Uh, Johnson retired after the Celtics did not offer him a new contract at the beginning of the 1991 season. During his retirement ceremony, uh, Magic Johnson telegraphed him and lauded him as probably the best backcourt defender of all time. Damn. Uh, Larry Bird called him the best teammate he ever had. Damn. And Larry Bird played side-by-side with Kevin McHale. Uh after retiring as a player, DJ would work as a scout for the Celtics. In 93, he became an assistant coach for the Celtics, a position he would hold until 1997. After spending several years outside of the limelight and away from basketball involved in other things off the court, he returned as an assistant coach for the Clippers in 2000, spending four years there. And then for 24 games, towards the end of the 2002-2003 NBA season, he served as the interim head coach after the Clippers let go of Alvin Gentry. He later worked as a scout for the Trailblazers, and then in 2004, he was named head coach of the NBA's Developmental League Florida Flame. He became head coach of uh, a minor basketball league team called the Austin Turos following the season, and uh, he would, uh, in 2007, pass away after having a heart attack on the court at one of those games. Yeah, they were... uh, Wow. Uh, he's often viewed as uh, an all-around weapon who played with contagious competitiveness, quote-unquote, and his durability. In 14 NBA seasons, he played 1,100 of a possible 1,148 games. Participated in 180 playoff games. Uh, at his retirement, he was the only the 11th player to amass more than 15,000 points and 5,000 assists. And in an ultimate show of respect... As I always say, two players and two fans retiring a jersey's big. December of '91, they retired his jersey number three. He said he'd always be a Boston Celtic, and would go on record as saying that seeing his number in the rafters at the Boston Garden gave him a special feeling. Well, yeah. He did not unfortunately live to see his induction into the Hall of Fame because uh, he had, you know, obviously right. passed away. Uh, How old was he when he passed? So he'd been 50-something, 50-something, 53, 50-something. Damn it, yeah. Yeah. I like DJ's game, for sure. He was a three-time NBA champion, uh, one-time finals MVP, a five-time NBA All-Star, a one-time All-NBA first team, and a one-time NBA All-Second team. 
and an NBA All-Defensive first team six times and a three-time All-Defensive second team. He'd say no more. I mean, three out of four. He's made the finals four times, three uh, wins. That's pretty impressive. What's Meatloaf always say? Two out of three ain't bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Nice. Meatloaf. So so now... Now I'm hungry again. Oh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking dummy. Where's... So, so here's where we're at. So now, <laughs> well, you can do it. You know how to hit it. Hit the effects button. I don't know anything about it. Oh, drum roll. So now we're breaking into the top ten. So we we have literally done this episode. We have just covered four players. So we got a little bit of tape left. So so to give you a rundown, this was part two. Uh, coming in at 25, we had a tie between Kenny Smith and Stephon Marbury. 24 was Derrick Rose. 23rd was Mark Jackson. 22nd, Maurice Cheeks. 21 was Chris Paul. We had a tie at 20 between Jerry West and Tim Hardaway Sr. 19 was Mark Price. 18 was Nate Archibald. 17 was Kyrie Irving. 16 was Sid Moncrief. At 15, we had a tie between Chauncey Billups and Russell Westbrook. That is where the first episode ended. The second episode we were on now, we did Lenny Wilkins at 14. Did Lenny Wilkins. Dave Bing at 13. Norm Nixon at 12. Lakers, baby. Dennis Johnson at 11. Now, we're breaking into the top 10. I have notes to this position right here. Right. Number eight. Right. Which you can see. Yes. Okay. What we could do is we could cover the top, the, you know, since there's a tie for number 10, we could cover those to get a little more meat out of this episode, or we could cover one of them and save one because we got a little bit of time to yeah. fill here. Let's, let's split the difference. We'll cover one. You want to cover one? Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm going to let you point. Don't say. First, first off, can I say something? What? Like, uh, pretty good looking list. Pretty good looking list. Nate. Nate's and at 18. And should have been switched. Switched. I like Kyrie there. But that's a, that's my opinion. And that's, I have. You, it's pretty, pretty good, dude. Okay. I have more notes on this one. On him. Okay. I have less notes on him. That one would be a lot more to cover. It doesn't matter who goes first since they're tied. So if we're going to do one, I would rather do this one, but we can do him. Uh, We'll do the other one. This one? Yep. Okay. So Kurt wants to split the difference since there's a two-way tie for 10. Kurt wants to split the difference. Kurt gets what he wants. Kurt gets what he wants. (laughs) So since we got a little bit of tape, I hate fucking doing this shit this way. So coming in at 10... One of my favorite players. Uh, that surprises me. But wait a minute, that's surprising. I mean, he's you're one of my old, favorite players. Old school. I mean, that's cool. Basketball is basketball. Right there, you go. And old. it don't matter what you're. Yep, I was born in '87, but by '94, '93, '94, I was starting to watch hoops a little bit. Right, by '96, '97, I there was library books, right. there was tapes, right. there was 
You know, by 2000, the internet was here. Right. So That's pretty cool. Though. But coming in at number 10 as part of a two-way tie, coming in at 10A, although he's technically in the computer as 10B, coming in at 10A, Walt Frazier. Walt Frazier. Clyde. Right, Walt Frazier. And this is a time when, I think about this is a time when the, the athletic, the athleticism in players was like Different. leaping forward. In certain areas. It was changing. It was kind of like how the NBA went from a running league to passing the ball. Yes. I mean. So, Walt Frazier was born March 29th, 1945 in Hot Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. He played college ball at Southern Illinois University. Saloogies. And he. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) Saloogies. Broncos or some shit. No, Broncos was the other guy. The, the guy before him, his alma mater was a Bronco. Okay. Or it ain't Redbirds, is it? No, no I don't know what the fuck it is. He was, right. he was drafted fifth overall in 1967 by the New York Knickerbockers. The Knickerbockers. He would average nine points a game and be named to the NBA All-Rookie Team. During his rookie season with the Knicks, he picked up the nickname Clyde. Yeah. Because he wore a fedora similar to that of Warren Beatty, who played Clyde Burrow in the 1967 Bonnie and Clyde what, film. What'd you call it again? A, fe- a what, fedora. What's that? The hat. The real nice hat. With the... the, the Vince Lombardi. A little short bill right not, there. Not Vince Lombardi. It's uh, got a little short bill on it. Kind of, right? yeah, yeah. Not yeah. Vince Lombardi. Uh, Tom Landry. Dallas Cowboys. Oh. The hat he always wore. Oh, okay. A fedora. Oh. I used to have a couple of them. Fedora. It's like you heard you ever heard you heard the story about Hank Williams Sr. in the hat, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Well, okay. Okay, so so the greatest of all time, the original outlaw of outlaws, Hank Williams Sr. Sidebar people, my show, shut the fuck up. Sidebar. So Hank Williams, he died in fifty three, January right. fifty three or January fifty two. He actually died in his car. Died in the back of a Cadillac. Okay. Rumor thinks he he was already dead when he left Knoxville, Tennessee that night. Okay. How much time we got? We got a little tape yet. Okay. So, this is why I don't wear fedoras, just because it creeped me out, but it's cool. <laughs> so, Hank Williams Sr., the outlaw of outlaws. All right. The greatest to ever do it. Yeah. Nobody will ever beat Hank Sr. No. The greatest to ever do it. 29 years old. Died like an outlaw. Died young. Live fast, die hard. In the backseat of that Cadillac. He had his guitar, a guitar case, and a hat. Well, when they got to that gas station in Oak Hill, Kentucky, uh-huh. or Oak Hill, Ohio, wherever the fuck it was, Oak Grove, Kentucky, I don't Oak something, right. fuck, I can't remember. Uh, one of the people, after they found him dead, took his fedora hat. Hank Williams' fedora was never recovered from the car. It was missing. Well, then, years later, it would come out that the guy... Stole one of the guys stole the hat. Yeah, was wearing Hank Williams' fedora, and he mysteriously died like a year after Hank did or something. Don't fuck with Hank Williams Sr.'s hat, fedora. That's why I don't wear fedoras because you know. Plus, I couldn't pull it off with his head, but fedora, <laughs> you're just classy. You're straight pimping. Okay. And Clyde. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Where do you think Russell Westbrook, even though he's a fa- – which we was talking about Russell earlier. Russell's involved in things off the court. One of them is being fashion. Ru- Russell does some designing. He yeah. does fa- 
Russell will pull off a fedora. Cam right. Newton pull. They're all modeling themselves after Walt Frazier, baby. Okay. Clyde. Clyde. Hollywood. Not Hollywood, but Clyde. Uh, what was the Dallas Cowboys player nicknamed Hollywood? Guy was fucking. Henderson. Pete. Hollywood Henderson. Said he used to go to the locker room, snort a fucking eight ball of cocaine, yeah. go out there and practice. And he said, Coach Landry would always be on him about taking easy. He said, I just light him the fuck up. Man. Yeah. He said, he I didn't a, care if you're my team. He said, I was higher than. He was a linebacker, number 56. He, he said, I was high as fuck. He said, yeah. I didn't give a care. I was hitting my own teammate. Don't step in front of me on the field. And that was part of that doomsday defense they had there in Dallas, I think, what they called it. I never liked How it. How do we get off? Ooh, we, we go Dallas. from this to talking about Hank Williams with Doris. Snorting an eight ball of cocaine. Snorting an eight ball of cocaine with Four fucking practice. Hollywood hitters. Well, <laughs> Hollywood this is. is why we never gain traction on this show. These people, we get off topic one minute and they it's just fucking gone. Well, you know. <laughs> Where the fuck are we even at in these we, notes? Uh, we are on Walt Clyde Frazier. Oh, God. And he wears a fedora. <laughs> and from there... <laughs> so as a... He was number 10 because he looked good in fashion. I don't even know why we're laughing, but I just want to hit the laugh track right now. <laughs> That's not it. That's all we're listening right now, David. People, we appreciate your... Yeah. Cocaine before practice. No, not... But you've got a lot of them up anyway. Who went out there playing high... Who went out there high as fuck during that basketball game? What, tell that story. It's your favorite story to tell. Villanova? Yeah. Tell yeah, that story. That, that, tell that story. That five there, the one that beat Georgetown in 85, uh, Gary McClain would come out in the Sports Illustrated and say the whole team was high as fuck on cocaine. <laughs> These are college These students. Are college students. Raleigh Massimino's boys were lit up and they lit Georgetown up. Just done an eight ball and went out there and just... Keith Hernandez has admitted it. To oh, look it up. High as hell in the 80s. Uh, a World Series in the 80s there. I can't remember which one it was with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, of course, we all know about Dwight Gooden. <laughs> do, do your uh, Daryl Strawberry, right? Daryl Strawberry. Do your Dwight Gooden thing. No, it's Daryl Strawberry, isn't it? Where oh, it, yeah. Basically, to right, he drops his knees. He's snorting his way to first. He is not stopping here. He's snorting his way to second. It's just stand up double. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. Well, I mean. We got to get, where are we at? Clyde, Clyde, Clyde Walt, Walt Clyde Frazier. Frazier. Yes. Okay, in his second season, he averaged. I Drexler. <laughs> Clyde the Glide Drexler. No, this is Walt Clyde Frazier. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, so he, <laughs> I can't even fucking talk. So, uh, okay. The scoring machine ahead of his time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh he was chosen as an NBA All Star during the '69 and '70 season, the first of seven selections during his ten years with the New York Knickerbockers. 
I love saying New York Knickerknockers. Knickerknockers. Maybe I snorted something. What the fuck? The Knicks made it to the 70 NBA Finals thanks to the great play of both Frazier and star teammate at the time, Willis Reed. Uh, however, in Game 5, Reed would suffer a gruesome leg injury with Reed out. Chances of the Knicks winning were slim. Reed would return to the series playing the first two minutes of Game 7 and scoring its first two points before limping back out saying he couldn't do it. With him out, it became the Frazier show. He went on to post one of the greatest performances in NBA playoff history, tallying 36 points, 6 steals, 7 boards, and 19 assists Ooh. in leading New York to a victory in what was referred to by ESPN as one of the best Game 7s ever played. They were unable to repeat as champions at 71, though, falling to the Baltimore Bullets and Earl Monroe in the Earl second Monroe. round of the playoffs. Oh, Earl Monroe. Earl the Pearl, huh? Earl the Pearl. Uh, during the offseason in May of 71, Frazier scored 26 points and was named MVP of an exhibition game between the NBA and the ABA at Houston's Reliant Astrodome. Uh... Following 70-71, the Knicks traded for Monroe, which was always difficult for Frazier to guard. Not many people thought the two players' styles would mesh, but with Monroe and Frazier soon together, it became one of the best backcourts in the league, even earning the nickname the Rolls-Royce backcourt. Dang. Huh. That's pretty That's pretty tout right there. The Knicks returned to the NBA Finals in 72, but fell to the Lakers, who completed a record-setting season with an NBA championship. Frazier led the Knicks to a second title in 73, topping the Lakers in a five-game series. His defense on Jerry West played a major role in defeating them. Um, Let's see. In 76, Frazier was selected for a seventh and final All-Star game. Frazier held the Knicks franchise records for most games, 759 minutes played, but 28,995. Field goes attempted, uh, 11,700. Field goes made, 5,700. Free throws attempted, 4,000. Free throws made, 3,000. 4,700-something assists, 14,000 and change points. Patrick Ewing eventually broke most of these records, but Frazier's assist record, which is the most important one when you think of a point guard, still stands today. Um... Frazier was then traded to the Cavaliers after the 76-77 season. Uh, the trade left the world stunned, as many people in New York were furious that they were willing to let go of arguably the greatest player ever in franchise history, which Ooh. I would agree. Uh, and then he retired midway through the 79-80 and 80 season, where he only played three games, averaging career lows of three points and two assists before eventually being waived. Since the 60s, Frazier was known to be a fashion icon. It was one of the first major pro athletes to be claim such many pro athletes today that are flashy in pre-game appearances and press conferences can borrow and thank this due to Clyde. The website, ClydeSoFly.com, <laughs> and that is a real thing. That is a real thing. Get in your Google machine, ClydeSoFly.com. Grades every suit he wears while broadcasting the New York Knicks games on the MSG network. I remember big hair for some reason. Uh, he is currently a current color commentator for telecast of Knicks games on the MSG network. Uh, his number 10 was retired by the New York Knickerbockers. He's a two-time anniversary team member, 50th and 75th. He was a part of the rookie team, 
seven-time all-defensive first team, two-time all-second team, four-time all-first team, seven-time all-star, one-time all-star game MVP, and a two-time NBA NBA champion. Well-deserving. And so that rounds out the top ten because Puss wants to save the other part of the ten tie for the top ten list. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, break kayfabe. Oop, shout me out. Get a wrestling yep, reference. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll wait Going to break it. kayfabe. Waiting for it. Uh, and and uh, peel the curtain back. Uh, number one should be a no surprise on this list. Uh, so we'll go ahead and say it. Uh, nobody touches Magic Johnson. So Magic's number one. But you got to see the way the rest of the list falls out. And uh, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. And uh, even though it's my show, and it's Kurt's show, but I always say it's my show because I'm an asshole, uh, I did not put Allen Iverson number one, as we all know. Every time we do an NBA pick of something, yeah, I, always, he's a homer. I always pick Iverson. Uh, Iverson's my all-time point guard. He is in the list. He is in the top ten, so I'll break a little more kayfabe there, but uh, he's not number one. I should have put him two. <laughs> I should have put him too. I, re- I resign. <laughs> resign. So uh, we could technically cover about three more, but we're not going to do that because I'm pissed off at the equipment. I need to get more memory cards I'm for this weekend. Kurt's going mushroom hunting in his flannel well, sweats. Well, and, not my flannel sweats. Um, I am going to take the night off because I am pissed. <laughs> pissed, folks. Yes. Uh. That last one, don't let it fool you. Ah, the, just the uh, the equipment. Well, we got a lot of money wrapped up in this, and it's it was fine. Uh, I decided to fuck around with the cards a minute. Basically, we the, the, the equipment came with two memory cards, and our worst episode to date we yeah. ever done was the top ten sports moments ever. Our memory card was giving us fits. That was when I retired it and pulled out the other memory card that we, came with the equipment. We fire the technical director. That's me. Oh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you fuck it. You need to fire me. So, okay. Well, I'll give you I'll give you one. the beep oh, oh yeah well, you, oh yeah correct hey. what's correct funnier if it would have you know right well but uh <laughs> can't be fixed uh the problem is when i change memory cards uh we're kind of going to lose our our open our Original open. 
but I can upload that, put that back in, save it to the computer, and do it. Uh, eventually, we'll just have to create a new open. Because yeah. the new open we made in February somebody, sucked. Somebody really fouled that up. That guy will be fired. That's me. That would be me. But, but we were saved, thank God. I don't know how great the audio is going to be on this, but we were saved because of our pod hosting, Podbean. Be a little bit of a difference. But. Shout out Podbean. Thank you for this. Uh, thank you to all of our sponsors who we didn't even fucking plug in this episode. Um, I'll just tag you all in a Facebook post. Um, everybody can go check your stuff out there. But um, yeah. so this was part two. Of a three-part episode of the 25 greatest point guards of all time. And in true Jared and Kurt fashion, I wanted something to go perfect, and it completely fucking sucked, so it didn't go perfect. Well, it don't mean it sucked yet. I don't know. I don't think this is one I'll ever listen back to. What? <laughs> There's been some good rim shots in here, man. It's been some There's, good rim yeah, shots. Rim shot time in there, you know? Where is oh, the no. rim shot? We have a rim shot on the sound pad over there. Do we? Yeah. Okay. okay. But yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed this part of the episode. This small brief that's uh, breaking it down. Part three, the the top ten. The second part of the number ten tie. And we have a tie at two. And then... There's you a lot know. of good bowlers in there. Oh yeah, that's a that's a damn good list. Um, Pistol Pete was on your list. He didn't make it. I kind of wanted to mention these names. Uh, Pistol Pete didn't make the list. You wanted him to. Terry Porter, I really wanted to put on the list. Yeah, he been there. Terry Porter did not make the list. Uh, let's see here. He was overshadowed by Drexler, but Porter was one of the best passing guards of his era. He finished 17th in career assists and averaged eight or more assists five times in his career. He was efficient on offense, extremely compiling a career 46.3 field goal percentage. Porter also made two all-star appearances in his 17-year career. So, Yeah, he was a good point guard. And then the other one I want to miss was Slater Martin. Slater. Uh, yeah, I want to touch on this. Who the fuck is Slater Martin? So you have no idea. Who the bleep is Slater Martin? So you have no idea who Slater Martin is. So we still got a we still got a half hour tape here. So um, I'm gonna pull up a picture of you for Slater Martin here. So Slater was uh, who's the guy we got ranked later on coming in the episode? I shouldn't break the wall, but I'll break the wall. Bob Cozy. Bob Cousy. Cousy. Okay. So Slater Martin was like Bob Cousy before <coughs> Bob Cousy. Uh, Slater Nelson Martin. The whitest guy you've ever met. Look at that. Holy crap. Looks kind of like Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, Look the original the Nature Boy. Holy crap. Yeah. So, um, so he was one of the best defensive players. The ball even had a lace no. So, he played in the 50s for uh, the Minneapolis Lakers, won four championships between 50 and 54. In 56, he joined the St. Louis Hawks and won another NBA championship. He was uh, he played at the University of Texas at Austin, um, 
He's a Naismith Hall of Famer. He, he's his part of the Hall of Fame. Uh, he died about ten years ago, October of 2012. His jersey number was retired by the University of Texas, making him the only second Longhorn to ever have his jersey retired. There wasn't a lot of much I could find about him, um, but his stats. I mean, he didn't even average double digit point stats. But he uh, he was a five time All NBA second team. He was a seven time All Star. And he won five NBA championships in 50, 52, 53, 54, and 58. Uh, played from 49 to 56 for the Minneapolis Lakers. Played, got traded midway through the season. Played, finished out 1956 by playing for the New York Knicks. And then from 56 to 60, he would play for the St. Louis Hawks. So before Bob Cousy, there was Slater Martin. Okay. I've never heard of him. You never heard of him? Never heard of him. So I've seen like one or a couple things on him on YouTube. But I just want to touch on it. But he looks. Look, those look like little. He wasn't a very. He's five ten. And think about that. Think about that right now. And your average starting point guard today, what they are? They're like six two, six three, six four, six or five. Yeah, five ten. Well, people were shorter back then. They were. They didn't hook you up to the stretcher machine and stretch you out. It pumps full hormones or steroids and shit. Oh man. I just realized I hope I wasn't covering the mic with my fucking hand that whole time. Slater Martin. Slater Martin. Uh-huh. Well, this episode here, the part two episode, will definitely always suck forever. But I'm just mad. I'm just butthurt. I'm yeah. just butthurt. Just yeah. butthurt about the equipment. I mean, it'll all work out. It'll all work out? It will all work out, yes. It'll all work out. Kurt says it'll all work out. got to remain optimistic. optimistic. got to remain optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no pessimist. No pessimist. All right. Did you have fun hanging out with me today? Oh, yeah, bro. Yeah? Yeah. I'm just going to sit right here at the table and do my notes. We'll just we'll just record another one. No. No. I'm done for the day. I'm, we got to get it. Yeah, yeah. I'm done for the day. I'm, I'm butthurt. Yeah, I mean, it was. After work, one night this week, I'm going to go pick up two SD cards. I mean, the wind has been, it's not very windy right now. No. Sailing. No. No. It was cold when we left to go to lunch. I know I'm pretty windy, but I can't move our fat asses around with, with just by blowing on the sail. So, yeah, words out right there. All right. So, so. let's see what kind of music we can play to. Uh, to oh, yeah. there he goes. Here he goes. Uh, you know what? We'll just uh, we'll just continue out with this. Uh, you got anything you want to say? Right now, no. I think I'm good. I don't know how this quality is going to be, but we hope you guys enjoy it. This one was, uh, we were in person and the second one was completely mobile. (laughs) This was supposed to be a quality episode or bet. And then in true Jared and Kurt fashion, it becomes an utter clusterfuck. So I don't want to be production engineer anymore. I don't don't want technical advisor. I don't blame you. We've got to Find some. Dole's gonna take care of this from now on. Yeah. Yeah. He might be sleeping. He's probably sleeping. That would get hard. They probably do it better than we could. That's where I was going with that. Uh they could probably definitely do it better than we could. (laughs) That's pretty cool. I just think of several times we could have rim shot. 
Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a big round of applause to my co-host, Kirk Kelly, for trying to keep me from breaking the computer and everything else. Corey Frijon, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Though you're not a big basketball guy, you were looking forward to this because we were talking about it. Uh, there will be some comedic relief in it. There will be some comedic relief in it. Um, yeah. I just need to quit dragging it out. It's it's really painful, dude. You just need, to, just need to slit the jugular and end it right here. End the episode right here. Stop the bleeding. I got a dull knife. Okay. That dull knife cuts worse than a sharp knife. That's right. Thank you. Okay. So for Jared Atkins. Kirk Kelly. Kirk Kelly. We hope you enjoyed part two of a three-part episode of the top 25 point guards in history. And we will see you next week. And I can't mute the mics. Peace out. I can't mute the mics. (laughs) 